0: In today's show, we talk trap again in part two of the story of Calcio's greatest manager. Plus, Juventus relentless. How you like those huevos, Simeone, as Juve storms through to the quarterfinals. Also, Ranieri at Roma and the Milan derby this weekend. All coming up in Golazzo. Buongiorno, listener. And buongiorno to you, Gabriele Marcotti and James Horncastle. Hello. Hello. Buongiorno. Buongiorno, capo. Now, we've had a busy week. Capo (laughs) now. Doctor, Uh, we have um, a lot on our agenda today, listener. That's exciting news with the return of Claudia Ranieri, the return of Juve as well, and uh, our big look forward to Milan-Inter. But of course, we have unfinished business from last week's uh, Golazzo. Giovanni Trapattoni, you remember in last week's show which I hope you heard, how uh, Giovanni had risen from humble beginnings in the the Milanese ghetto that is Cusano Milanino, <laughs> <laughs> the shanty town. He had a good 23 minutes against Pele, I'm, um, you know, I'm summing up a little bit here. Got a surprise move to Juve's manager and only became the most successful club manager in the world and then came the best bit where he went to Inter and broke all records for the best club season ever. In Syria, but it all comes to an end in 1991. And while Zucchero and Paul Young charm the continent with their multilinguistic pop classic "Senz'una Trapp Trap goes back to his old lady, Juventus. So Traps back in Turin, and there's a great team awaiting him. You've got Conte, you've got Di Canio, Gigi Casiraghi. Start
1: with Conte and Di <laughs>
0: Well, that's I'm going alphabetically. Oh, okay. oh no, I'm not, because there's Robbie Baggio. there's Skiladci, there's Jürgen Julio Cesar, the bat, Giants, Tacconi. Yeah, and, and Viali comes next summer,
1: of course. But it's, an, it's a it's a great squad. Why doesn't it work? So the interesting thing about that was this was an incredibly top-heavy squad. Juve looked at it, and Juve made the decision year before, when they appointed, they kind of looked at Milan's success, and it wasn't just that Milan played great football in one of the Champions Leagues or or the European Cups was then, but it was also that everybody liked Milan. You know, It was really hard to dislike them. Just simply the way they played, they were so successful, and Juve were like, we need to regain our luster, and we need to do this by playing exciting attacking football the way Milan do. And so they were like, let's buy all these attacking players, and let's go and think outside the box, and appoint somebody like Saki Because he couldn't get Saki. the champagne salesman, Gigi Maifredi. One's a shoe salesman, there's a ch- champagne salesman, Gigi Maifredi, guy who done very well at Bologna, playing sort of this mad pure zone system, and and he just didn't have the personality when in talking about playing four-two-four and all this nonsense, and. When it didn't work very quickly, they got cold feet. And as football clubs often, often do, they swung the pendulum entirely in the other direction and says, ooh, let's get the king of old school. And Trapattoni still had a contract with uh, uh, with Inter at the time. He was one of the first managers who was actually transferred for compensation. Right. In the sense that they sent players the other way.
0: It wasn't a successful return, though, to Turin. They had second place finish the first year, fourth the second year when they had uh, Gianluca Vialli and and, uh, and David Platt. Can oh, just... and Andres Muller joining as well. And Ravanelli yeah. all joined. Yeah. I it's mean, crazy. He says that Platt was out injured for three months. Um, mm. and Also, they had the three foreigner rules. So he was a lot of the time out the side and Andres Muller was playing instead.
2: And as Gab said, it was a really top-heavy uh, side and keeping everyone happy was... Uh, was a bit of a problem because players like Platt would come and expect to play yeah. and he was like, no, that's not going to happen. But just another anecdote from Trapattoni's book about the mentality at Juve at the time, they wanted to sign Bergkamp as well and they had this this half-baked idea that put Bergkamp up front and play Viali in midfield yeah. uh, just because of his kind of athleticism and that sort of thing, which again just goes to show how teams in Italy were thinking and responding to Sacchi's Milan.
1: Zeman as well, I suppose. Mm. On David Platt, it's worth noting that when he played, and I mean, because you had the three foreigner rule, the foreigners had to be really, really good because you only play three of them. And he had his first few games, and you know he worked hard and stuff, but you know he kind of played a little bit within himself. So there was so many questions, so much criticism of him, and Trapattoni came out and said, like, enough, enough breaking balls over David Platt. If his name was Platty. And he was Italian, you'd all be saying how wonderful he is.
0: And did, did David respond, only my friends call me platy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> yeah,
0: that well, was kind of, of the
2: alley oop for you. One of Trapp's great Juventus signings was is the carpenter who, you know, uh, they played against in a friendly one time and thought, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, so he, was,
0: he was working for a factory and the works team Yeah, chopping and, wood. And he, and he went to the World Cup.
2: Trapp says one of his greatest kind of um, successes, achievements, if you like, on the second time around at Juventus, There weren't right. many. Yeah. We're seeing Torricelli, what, a year? I think year to the day of that friendly lifting the UEFA Cup. Right. They won so
0: Bayern. they won the UEFA Cup 6-1 on aggregate because it was a two-legged final in those days, destroying Borussia Dortmund in in, in a series of finals that was effectively belong to Robbie Badger and for me those are always the Badger's great moment at at, yeah. at UV
2: Trapp says that he had a specific wolf whistle for Badger uh, did he? because he didn't find him as Gab has told us before the most tactically disciplined player didn't think he was much of a team player as well certainly when it came to um, basically fare uh, gruppo you know be, be a team off the pitch you know go out for dinner spend some time together at the training ground Badger the just, of his era? <laughs> yeah just without the golf um, and uh,
1: yeah, hunting instead of golf, mm. but um, but yeah, would do this whistle, which
2: would obviously, I think, annoy Bad Show
1: Right. he just knew that, that's fitting. one of the things we should probably mention about Trapattoni is that he's probably the most gifted whistler in the history of humanity. He has about 15 or, or, or 20 different whistles, right? Which he can individually direct at different players, and they kind of mean, like, I'm watching you, you know, do what I told you to do before the game. And yeah, so it's, on.
0: it's a classic sight. Two fingers of each hand placed in corners of the mouth, joining just above the tongue, which curls up to meet the fingertips. <laughs> I, and this actually, extraordinary high-decibel blast. But I
1: actually had him do this. Oh, yeah? Um, I mean, this is like 15, I don't know if he can still do it. it's like 20 years ago. But he produced, like, well, you can whistle like this or like this. And he makes all these different noises with his, like, hands at his mouth. It right. just like, looks so creepy, but works for him.
0: Okay. Anyway, so Juve, 93, 94, his final season there the forwards that season talk about top heavy Baggio, Viali and they've got Del Piero and Ravanelli now as well and then the triad comes in and then the triad comes in and he leaves now what's Trapattoni's position as something of a Juve legend himself uh, what's his opinion on, on the people who kind of characterise the next era of the old lady well not a fan of, of Luciano Mochi
2: because he said he was a kind of agent before there were agents in that he would just essentially turn up as some kind of interloper and Offer players and yeah, you know, Trapp credits him with basically putting uh, Paolo Rossi to the Juventus board, and that's the reason why they ended up um signing him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a r- regular feature of and we'll get to this as, as well is, is when Trapp's in charge of Cagliari, you know, the owner at Cagliari Maseru Chilino at the time seems to be very dependent on Mochi for, for advice for players and whatnot, and certainly when he becomes the The coach of the national team, this kind of constant quid pro quo with Mochi is like, well, uh, I'll let you have this player for this international break, but can you just leave out the other one? And all this sort of thing. So just always felt that I think he was interfering.
0: Trappatoni's book, how does it read, given that he's famous not just for his whistle, but also his appalling sentence construction? <laughs> well, he the- talks
2: about when he gets the island job, someone gives him James Joyce's Ulysses, uh-huh. um, thinking that or James Joyce writes in the same sort of style, sort of sentence structure as Trapp speaks. But yeah, It's
0: not a comparison I ever (laughs) ever expected to hear. He
2: he accepts this because he says, you know, after two or three pages, he got a headache. But then again, most people got a headache listening to Trap. Yeah.
0: My Diddy Goal, which is a famous satirical uh, show that ran through the 90s and and early 2000s, I think, in in Italy. Was it still going when you got there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of their regular features was an Ipsy Dixit on... On Giovanni Trapattoni, where they basically commentate on his post-match responses.
1: Abbiamo così so, yeah, a phenomenon so heterogeneous. Yes,
0: certo. And the truth is, many times we have
1: to keep our teeth.
0: It's all very clear. But if someone, by chance, and I don't know how to explain it, not
1: That shows two most famous skits were Trapattoni's Ipsodixit and um, making fun of Fashioner, just as fashion misses. Right. He became fashion is probably more famous in Italy than. Then he is here just about. I'm talking about John, not his late brother Justin.
0: The second spell at Juve ends, and then a little bit like, I don't know, Robert Pattinson or something like that, uh, a Hollywood star who decides to eschew the blockbusters and go for rather more interesting artistic fare. He moves abroad, first of all, to Bayern for the first spell. Cagliari,
2: his former Inter striker, giving him the phone call.
0: Cagliari, where, just bearing in mind, this is the biggest managerial name in, it, in the Italian game. Callery, who were like a struggling and you know still are a, a struggling side in a little bit of a backwater, run by the now infamous Massimo Cellino. Then infamous too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, who puts pictures of Trapattoni on the sides of the buses. Basically, his, his season ticket campaign was based around the fact of, of I have hired Trapattoni. Yeah. But lo and behold, what happens? Trapattoni had never been fired and why would he have been? Ends up dismissed before the end of the season.
2: Well, I don't think he thinks he got fired in this one. He says he kind of walked away. Oh, really? He said Callie had finished ninth the season beforehand, mm. which was was pretty damn damn good. And um, was that
0: under Mazzoni?
2: No, it was under Tabares. Tabares basically goes up to him and says, "Yeah, that's that's not a real true reflection of uh, of how good this team is. It's a miracle that we got to ninth." And Trapp kind of thinks, ah, he's just saying that, self-interest and all that sort of thing. But he's like, no, actually, he's he's right. This is
1: right. not an easy job.
0: Well, his final match was a, a 4-1 defeat to his old side, Juve. Canary 13. Oh, yeah. I, I,
1: I asked him why he went back to Cagliari. And he was like, look, I've been at Bayern. I wanted to go home. But the reality was that in Italy, you know, going back to Juve was not an option with with Mon-G. Going back to Inter wasn't either. He'd done so well there. Milan, they were sort of coming out of the of the Sacchi Capello era. It was kind of a mess and stuff. And he says, "And I never liked Berlusconi. He's like, I didn't want to go down there. So sort of a warrior of the light, now, okay? Mm. He's, he's, yeah, he's-
2: doesn't want to work with Berlusconi. Leaves you because no, of but, but but he said, he's- like,
1: I had spent my entire career as a player and as a manager at really big clubs, and I wanted to take a club and try to make them great." Mm. And that's the reason he gave, and, and
2: I suppose someone who's had so much success in the world of trap, he probably thought I could be the the guy who could win a league title well, with Cali.
1: I Calgary think it's entirely admirable. It you know,
0: I'd love to see the likes of Guardiola do this.
1: Mm. Maybe you will, because Guardiola, of course, has famously said, "If I ever manage in Serie A, Brescia. it's going to be a Brescia.
0: Brescia. Well, that'd be amazing. Anyway. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so, so um anyway, after that uh, brief period at Cagliari he goes back to Bayern where he has a very successful spell and yet the thing that he's probably most famous for is that press conference which you mentioned last time, the Strunts rant, James. He says he actually prepared all of this. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He wanted all the big journos to be there mm.
2: um so he could he could get his point across and uh I think he was just he was kind of fed up with some a lot of the uh, big time Charlies, shall we say, it, mm. FC Hollywood. Strunz was someone I think who essentially was demanding to play all the time, but was always injured.
1: Immer verletzt! Was erlauben Strunz? I'm sorry, you're going to play the audio anyway, you don't need you it. Strunz! Strunz in zwei Jahren gespielt sein Spiel, ist immer verletzt. Was erlauben Strunz? Lester Jahre Meister geworden mit Amman. Mm -hmm. You had all these highly paid players who were always injured. He did the other thing, which you're not supposed to do, but I think by that point, you know, as we say, Nidali Nera, Pieni Coglioni, like his testicles were full he compared these guys to the people who had won the title at Bayern with them two years earlier, you know, which was like Didi Haman and Nerlinger and so on, who were actually very good. He's like, you know, like, these were good pros. These guys, mm. you know, Mario Basler and Mehmet Scholl, like, you know, <laughs> these guys, ridiculous, you know. He
0: loves Ritzi though, who's there.
1: Ritzi Ritzigo. Ritzigo. Eh? yeah.
0: Yeah, magnificent. Wow, I mean, for a trap, it was entirely out of character. Never seen him Looked remotely agitated in that fashion before in a, in a press conference.
1: Again, I asked him about that. And, you know, he said, by that point, I had such a reputation right. as a player's coach, a motivator, and so on, that I needed to balance it out. And it was important to send a message that I could be hard and mean and nasty as well.
2: Nice. Also, I mean, one of the great things about Trap going to Bayern for the first spell was just how rare it was for Italian managers to go abroad in general. He mm. talks about the risk that he took doing it because the only guy that he could remember off the top of his head who was Italian and went to coach elsewhere was a guy called Enzo Ferrari, not the car maker, but a guy who coached Zadagotha for a year, didn't go well, finished sixth, and yeah, so that was it. So yeah, again, he was a bit of a trailblazer in that regard. Obviously Absolutely. Capello at the, t- at the time, his second spell, is having success with Real Madrid, and now we've got very used to Italian just cleaning up in England you know, winning in, in Spain, Germany. Uh, Ancelotti, of course, you know, doing mm. it with Bayern there. So, yeah. you know, well, and for, for a guy who was essentially charged with learning a new language when he, you know, is accused of not being able to speak his own after age 50, um, it's is pretty extraordinary.
0: Absolutely. No, I salute all of his choices. After this second spell at Bayern, where he wins the title and a couple of cups as well, he then lands in Florence at Fiorentina, where a decade on from that Inter campaign he comes within a Rio carnival of (laughs) of maybe bringing the Scudetto back to the banks of the River Arno
2: yeah they were winter champions weren't they Um, and had been flying after working with Juve and Inter he ends up being employed by these basket case presidents um, Czechy Gori very much in the Chileno role and he, you know, he, he compares the kind of seriousness that he found, you know, working on that Boni, Pertin, Agnelli and Peregrini to this cheeky gory <laughs> <Czechy> gor- <laughs> yeah, gor- figure that. who is just like, he's just, there's nothing rational about this guy. You know, he is, he's a fan, you know, in all his kind of responses to everything.
0: That team, though, that he had was, uh, as you mentioned, an extraordinary collection of players. So who was there? A Batigol, of course, Edmundo, when he wasn't at the Rio Carnival.
1: Costa. Ricostra, Costa. Yeah, Francesco Toldo. You know. Yeah, and that team probably would have won the title that year. I mean, we you, you, you joke about Ejwondo, but what Edjundo was good—he was absurdly good. I mean, he's probably one of the most gifted strikers in the world in the 90s. It's just he a, could
2: get into this team game. <laughs> this is <yeah>. the thing.
1: <laughs> well, but again, because Trapattoni was, you know, he's old school. He's like, you know, you don't work or so on. You know, I'd rather go and play Spadino Robbiati in, in, in his place. <laughs> and, and, and and people like that. Michio
0: Oliveira was there as well.
1: But that's what he, he liked. You know, Oliveira's. Also Brazilian or, or Portuguese, whatever. He Belgian. Grew up, he, yeah. No, but he grew up. in, What I am yeah. saying is, he grew up in Belgium, and he has a he has that that uh, that Flemish work ethic, Lulu, and that's why he played on until, wasn't he played on until he was like forty five or something stupid mm, yeah. like that. Edmundo was basically retired by the time he was 26. And
2: what I love about Edmundo is that last week it was the Rio Carnival and he was still posting on Instagram that he was there so at least he's consistent about right. attending that. Uh, so the whole Rio year. thing
0: that season 98-99 they're absolutely flying you say winter champions Gabriel Batistuta's tearing it up in the scoring charts but then he tears up his knee. Now at this point, Edmundo is booked on a flight to Rio because, bizarrely, he's actually got in his contract that he's allowed to take the middle of the season off to go and party in Rio. Yeah. Just extraordinary.
1: Wow. Well, but it's the Rio Carnival. I mean... Just
0: extraordinary. But,
1: like, yeah,
2: Trapp the, is, is in the car going to Pisa Airport to try and basically
1: convince him to, to
0: stay, and Edmundo's like, "Not." I mean, that's Icardi-esque
1: <laughs> for me. So the, the, the story behind that with Edmundo and the Rio Carnival... And this may be entirely untrue and entirely apocryphal, but because the two people involved are both entirely deranged, it's entirely possible, was that he negotiated that into his contract by speaking directly to, to Cheki Gaudi, who was like, oh, I don't know, blah, blah. And he convinced Cheki Gaudi to come to Rio, not for carnival, but just for a week of nights out and debauchery. And Jackie Guardi said, "Wow, that was the best week of my life." Sure, you know. And can I come with you? Just about, and that that's the deal. Brilliant.
0: Anyway, it all ended badly for Fiorentina. Well, they trapped third, didn't they? I yeah, mean, they, it fell away from them. Mm. The
1: second season was tough. Although the second season, the Champions scored, League no? But scored that tremendous yeah. goal um, at, at Wembley, Wembley. Yeah. against Arsenal.
0: Trap moves on, and next comes the job that he seemed destined for: the greatest Italian manager managing Italy. And this didn't work out as well as hoped. Was it unlucky? I don't think so. I think that I mean this Byron the, Moreno I think, you you watching, think the watching, best watching Traps Trump? Italy, I would put to you, was always Hard work. Mm. I can't think of... Me- Maybe the first half of the game against Sweden, which they ultimately drew with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which is brilliant, back you here. You're
1: 2004. Yeah,
0: but I'm saying, of all the Italy games, and I certainly didn't watch all of them, I can't remember saying, wow, Traps Italy are really great fun to watch, and I think he's doing the best job he could with these players.
1: No, they weren't They weren't fun to watch. I think he spent a lot of time trying to figure how pieces fit together. I think he really struggled because he really is a club manager, so much of it is his relationship with the players and the daily man management. And you get these guys who are looked after by other people and he really struggled with it. I remember you know, speaking to somebody who'd been part of those teams and he really had an issue with the fact that every time they would get together with the national team, it was like he had to kind of build relationships all over again from the start. He became very concerned like, oh, what's Bobo Vieri doing? You know, what's Mark Juliano doing? as well. Yeah. (laughs) But in the end, you have to say this about him, which is that, you know, 2004, he was out because of that 2-2 draw between Denmark and Sweden, which yep. we refer to as a biscuit in Italy. but you know.
0: Also because of that, that draw with Sweden, which I think at the time really felt like that's where Italy threw it away. Yeah. They were so dominant in that first half, and then basically Trapp just yeah.
1: pulled in the oars. Well, I'll as give you another one, too. It was yeah. also because Francesco Totti decided to go and spit <laughs> at Christian Paulson, but he was the guy that the whole team was built around. Right. Um, 2002, uh, you know, whatever, judge for yourself what would have happened. Suffice to say a lot of people, including Spain in the next round, funnily enough, had a lot of things to say. and you can go back to see who was in charge of the referees committee at that World Cup and you can go on to, to see like where a whole bunch of those FIFA executives, Ended up, and you can also go back to see what happened to Byron Moreno. Yeah, I mean,
2: he sounds like someone who'd be great to go to Carnival with, along Byron with Marino. Jackie Gory and Edmundo. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be
0: some part. If, <laughs> if he wasn't in jail for drug smoking. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. this happens after the after the fact. Right. Yeah. Okay. The disappointment, I think, of Trap's reign compounded by the fact that it's not long after that that they actually can win the World Cup with more or less the same group of players. Yeah. We, I mean, it doesn't throw his time in great perspective. As you say, there was misfortune in yeah, there. Yeah, I suppose with
2: with Lippi's replacement at Juve with some of those Juve players, some of whom, you know, Modji insisted were at major tournaments. So if in the event they wanted to sell them, they got premiums for them because, you know,
0: players in the shop window at a major tournament
2: yeah. so their prices rise. So,
0: Absolutely. So that was trapped with Italy. And then came Ireland, where we mentioned the fact that they weren't, in
1: any way, a joy to behold. But he did... He jumping over the he, fact that he, he did something in between I, after he left Italy. Oh, what did he do? Well, at Benfica. He oh, got, course he, he did. He went right? to Benfica. Yeah. And he didn't Salzburg
2: just... as well. Yeah. Wasn't it Salzburg as well? He got the Salzburg job because he'd been promised uh, the Basel job um, uh, by was it Switzerland's richest woman? I can't remember. Anyway, she, um, she says, the job's yours, Trap. Christian Gross is leaving. And then Christine Gross decides to stay. Right. So she says, well, we'll pay you anyway. If you just want to go and go on holiday to the Maldives or or whatever, it's fine. It's on us. And he's like, no, I really want to Really want to get back working. She's like, well, I know this guy, Matashitz, owns this energy drink company called Red Bull. And he's just bought a club called Salzburg. He's got Lothar Mateus, your old mate, as manager, but doesn't really think Lothar's up too much. So can you just basically go and sit next to Lothar? And yeah, goes and wins the league there. Hmm. But I think the Benfica, not they? They not won the league no, you're in like eleven right. years now. Yeah,
0: you no, know, absolutely. And that is, I guess, a, a late flicker of the trap talent. Because in other regards, the the latter part of his career, Gab, it's a great example of a of a huge talent who's been a bit left behind by the evolution of the game. That's certainly the impression I always had of it.
1: I don't think that's entirely unfair. Bear in mind, by the time he gets to Benfica, he's yeah. sixty five years old. However. We should also point out, this is a Benfica side, that Porto had won, I think it was like five of the previous six titles. Benfica hadn't won the title in 11 years. Porto had won the treble the year before. He gets in and he immediately wins the title. Uh, Two years later, you know, when uh, at Salzburg, he wins the title again. So, you know, there is a part of you that says... Where that where this guy goes, he wins, and people can say, "Oh, but that's because he's such a big name manager that wherever he goes, they buy all the best players and win." And maybe, but well, like Benfica, he, he talks
2: about the financial problems that the club had at the time. They had no training ground, so wow. they, they would they would train some days at the Estadio de Luz, but they couldn't always. So they would just go and find a pitch somewhere in Lisbon or somewhere outside of of the city, um, which again isn't convenient and. I think he, he described his kind of first spell at Bayern where he kind of fell down there, even though he r- remained very popular with um, his paymasters, was that the language barrier, just not being able to get his message across. And, you know, he seemed able to adapt to that benefica. Um He said he's only worked in very Catholic countries as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, sort of Portugal, Austria, Italy. Southern Germany. Bavaria, Southern, yeah. So, you know. He got to a stage where he, he felt that he was some kind of saint on tour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, bon compleanno, mito, mister. You got any final thoughts as we as we kind of reach the conclusion of the trap story, Gab?
1: Yeah, no, I just want to say, like Ireland obviously it ended badly. He was paid a ton of money to go there and whatever else. But equally, while people remember the ending, it's probably also worth remembering the beginning, which involved... Ireland not qualifying for the World Cup, because in a playoff against France, a man named Thierry Henry very clearly handled the ball, and younger listeners, this was in the years before VAR. Trouble.
2: and so Coming up with the conspiracy theory that um, FIFA was sponsored by Adidas at the time, France sponsored by Adidas, and that, you know, they couldn't afford to have a World Cup without a big name like France, and it was just uh, unfortunate, in his words, that uh, Ireland was sponsored
1: by Umbra. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, um, but then <laughs> Ireland take, did qualify for 2012, and that's the yeah. first thing. They... And he,
1: he took a pay cut as well. Oh, really? After that, because the guy who runs Irish football, Mister Delaney, not Miguel, but John Delaney, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, paid him an you know, enormous amount of money and said, "Oh, well, we can't afford it now. we you know you might all have to fly Ryanair for the rest of your lives." You know, it's like, oh God, no. Um, so yeah, they they went and they, they they qualified for the Euros in Poland in 2012.
2: I mean, it was a tough group, Croatia, Spain, and Italy. Yeah, they,
1: they weren't great. No. Um, but, you know, it's not as if Ireland's gone on to win too well, many since.
0: Well, that's true. Well, what an extraordinary career he's had so far. And I wonder if we'll see him back on a bench, maybe to help out some struggling team in a Catholic country in the future. But happy 80th birthday in the meantime, Giovanni Trapattoni, One of the good guys through thick and thin and an absolute legend. After this, we return crash-bang into the present day with some pretty dramatic stories. You're listening to Galazzo, the Totally Italian Football Show. Big stories this week. Claudio Ranieri returns to Rome. Juve do Atletico. And, of course, the Milan derby, which is coming up on Sunday. There's only one place, listener, that you can watch Milan derby on Sunday evening. Premier Sports, exclusive rights holders for City out in the UK until 2021. That match at San Siro is one of six live games this weekend, including Lazio, Panama and Genoa Juve, that they'll be showing across Premier Sports 1, 2 and their sister channel, Free Sports, which is, as you might expect free because you listen to Goladso you can get Premier Sports via Sky and the Premier Player for just five ninety nine a month and you get your first month completely free sign up now at premiersports.com entering the promo code Goladso Premier Sports is also available on Virgin TV terms and conditions apply so find out more by heading to premiersports.com and entering that promo code Goladso that's Goladso with one L and two Z's uh, now first off
2: Allegri's finished
0: He's rubbish. Yep. Zidane should come in. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? And then what happened? <laughs> Juve played the perfect game, as the Gazeta build it, on Wednesday morning. Tuesday night, from 2-0 down against Atletico Madrid from the first leg, with a 3-0 performance. A hat-trick from Cristiano Ronaldo. Intensity, courage, ferocity. Gab, what do you want to add to that?
1: No, all those things that hadn't been there in the previous two months. hmm like I know Ronaldo will get the headlines and rightly so he especially gave that great quote after the game <laughs> about you know what is it with you and you know, Juve had never managed such a comeback in the Champions League which is slightly disingenuous because you know what like 10 months earlier they were 3-0 down from the first leg and Went and were winning three 0 in injury time at the Bernabeu against a Real Madrid team that included Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. I wonder and, what Benatia thought about that no. as well. But but Cristiano <laughs> comes out and says, "Well, maybe that's why they signed me," which which I thought was perfect. You know, it's it's alpha male Ronaldo. But we give him a ton of credit. But I think this is we need to give Allegri credit here for doing just as we've beat him up. Or I have because Juventus have been frankly atrocious for the last two months. I don't care how many games they win. Or how many points they how many points they get. But they've just been horrendous. He put his team in the mindset to show courage. He showed courage himself. Mm -hmm. Putting Emre Sean in in, in the back three. Bringing out Spinazzola. Spinazzola played in the Champions League before. No, this was his Champions League debut. You know, when do we ever see this guy? You know, but in the build up, everybody was talking like, oh, well, you know, but you need to remain compact, so maybe he'll play Caceres. You know what? Why didn't Caceres go sell ice cream, you know, uh, in, in Madres Plata cream. or whatever? <laughs> but I, playing gives saying like, you know, mm. you're on the pitch, but you're going to go and you're going to work your butt off. Uh-huh. Um, but you're and, also
0: going to produce a ridiculous assist. For the was it the first, the first goal? goal for Ronaldo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah How does he produce that? But, but from behind the defender as well, because it's not like he's not being marked. And
2: also Bernadeski, um, I wouldn't say coming into the side because I think as with Emre Chan I think he's been working on these two players over the last few weeks, and and they've been I wouldn't say their best performers, but certainly justified being in the team. For example, in Bernardeski's case, ahead of DiBala going into this game, but Bernardeski was was everywhere in this game. Atletico had a really hard time picking him up and part of that was all down to the structure yeah. because with Chan sort of dropping down into the into the back three, Cancelo pushed up. Bernardeschi then came inside. And if you're the if you're the full back for Atletico, you're like, what do I do here? Do I go with Bernardeschi? If I do, then Cancelo's free and can put crosses in as he did for the for the second goal mm. uh for for an So but yeah, I think it was really encouraging for the Padre of Italy, uh, Roberto Macini, right. because Spinazzolo as Gab mentioned for the first hour and this is a guy that they were on the brink of selling to bologna in in january or letting go on loan to bologna he plays an hour and his average position was essentially as a as, as a guy who's part of the front attacking three rather than as as, as a fullback or wingback he absolutely tore apart uh, the fullback on the side i think he, in the first half he took him on nine times and beat him nine times um, and you know that that was just Juve reigning in crosses for mismatches with with the other fullback. I think it was just a great great, great night all around.
1: I think Atletico had a lot to do with it. I'm a huge Simeone guy. They were absolutely terrible. They misinterpreted the game entirely. And I think Simeone, much as I adore him, bears a ton of responsibility for this. But there's no question that Juve came out there with the right mindset. Allegri was so creative. It could have blown up so badly in mm. his face. Now the question is, Max, why don't we see this more often? There's a good piece in Gazeta where they make the point that, you know, some people will go out and say, oh, but the problem is there's a big, because there's such a big gap between the big teams and the little teams in Serie A, so they're not pushed and stimulated, but that's a mindset, you know, in, in Holland, there's an even bigger gap between say Ajax and Heracles Almelo, or go ahead Eagles or whatever other Dutch nonsense you come up with, Excelsior or whatever. But, but they go and they, they play that way all the time. And you know, I, I don't think it's excessive to demand that of Juve as well. So you don't have situations like that first leg in Madrid.
0: Right, Atletico Madrid have been knocked out of every Champions League knockout stage they've been in for the last seven years by a team containing Cristiano Ronaldo.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, James, and this is the other thing. So Gab was talking about the question that was put to Ronaldo about Juve have never come back from uh-huh. losing the first leg 2-0 away. And it turns out that in the FAIRs Cup... Uh, they'd done that back okay. in the 1670s and, and it was against Atletico Madrid. Wow, that's interesting.
0: Okay, now Roma responding to their recent travails as you probably saw last week by bringing back Claudio Ranieri. Uh, they'd been knocked out of the Champions League crossed by Porto, got beaten by Lazio in the derby. So Claudio comes back in. How long's the contract?
2: Well, I think it's until the end of the season. All right. And I don't think there's an option to extend, but obviously no? if they they do very well. I think yeah. this is yeah this two and a half three months between now and the, and the end of the season is obviously a chance for Roma to see how he does, but it's also a chance to review the structure of the club, which has changed dramatically since last year. But also maybe to to weigh up options, maybe better options than than Claudio Ranieri. Okay, great to see him at training with his Nils Liedholm bobble hat on. No, it's brilliant. Loved it.
0: I think it's it's been a massively popular decision. There wasn't a big crowd on Monday night against Empoli, but those who were there gave him the only cheer of, of the evening when the, when the teams were read out. Roma had a 2-1 a victory over struggling Empoli. Of course, the goodwill, not just because he's a lovely chap and he's Romano, uh, but but also the fact that last time he was there, he had the Giallarossi on course for the unlikeliest of league titles, at least until the one that he did actually win at, at Leicester.
1: And Derailing Jose Mourinho's right. treble, which would have rewritten history.
0: Yeah, so he comes up against Inter in the cup final and loses to them there. And in the league, as he puts it, we were half an hour away.
2: I mean, they were top of the table between the 32nd and 35th
1: games of the season. Yeah, so
0: they, they put together a 24-game unbeaten run, which mm. saw them overtake Mourinho's treble. Let,
1: and I think Mourinho's lead was 12 points. Yeah. And then he was one point behind. 13-point swing. Wow. That's incredible.
0: Yeah. Until that fateful match at home to Sampdoria. Yeah, when Bazzini uh, and Cassano. Basically. Yeah, Cassano, the returning
2: yeah. bad boy. You see Philippe Mexes on the bench crying for, for Roman. And the, the, the,
0: the commentators on, on, on Mediaset's Roman channel they pretty much in tears themselves.
2: Vince la con una grandissima curva sud, una grandissima curva sud
1: che sta ancora inneggiando. E ci vuole molta forza, quella che noi in questo momento francamente non abbiamo.
2: I mean, that would have been just extraordinary to see, again, Totti winning a, a league title, but also De Rossi, who wasn't part of that 2001 team and led by mm-hmm. a Roman in Claudio Ranieri. It would have been the, the perfect trifecta now. It's...
0: I think there were, how many games were there left after? Maybe four games? Three, four games? Mm. But Ranieri's stare, I think that'll haunt me forever actually. He's standing on the turf at the Stadio Olimpico after the final whistle's blown and they've let the lead slip to Inter and he's just staring, he knows. And he said last
2: week that not even winning a fairy tale league title with Leicester could get him over uh, missing out on that title with Roma. It's something which will live with him until the end of his days.
0: It's a really delicate position that Roma are now in. They are... In fifth spot, three points off the top four in, in Champions League football for next season. I'm hoping there's some collateral damage in the derby coming right. up this week in Milan. So this weekend, Roma's match after the victory in Claudio Ranieri's debut at home to Empoli sees them visit Spal. That is live on Free Sports 5.15 on Saturday. Other games on this weekend. Calgary up against Fiorentina. That's Friday evening. Genoa Juve is Sunday morning. That's followed by Lazio Palma, Napoli Udinese. And then the big one Sunday night. 7.25 coverage begins of the Milan Derby to finish off. Milan, who just moved into third spot. They're now one point ahead of Inter. They're only, I mean, I say only, they're six points behind Napoli. And the question being posited now, I think, on the given the run that they're on, 10 games unbeaten, is whether second place might be a realistic... Oh,
1: ragazzo, come on now. Is that? No, well, okay. Well, they've got
2: the best defensive record in Europe's top five leagues since the start of December. Really? Um, they've really um, shut up shop, but they're scoring goals. with. And this is, I think, one of the interesting things about this derby is that a lot has changed since the reverse fixture. Um, Into
0: one, what was it, 1-0? 1-0
2: Icardi in stoppage time. Right who won't be there by the looks of things. Obviously, Milan have changed up front because Gonzalo Higuain is now at Chelsea. Piontek has come in.
0: Eight goals in eight games.
2: Yeah, you've got um, Paquita, who looks tired, um, but has obviously given them something a little bit different in midfield. They were able to um, rotate. Yeah. And Bilia, who's um, scored a-, a fantastic free kick um, in in the win against Chievo at the... Uh, last Friday night? No, it was last Saturday night, mm. wasn't it? And um, so there's yeah, lots of interesting new.
0: They're and winning, boxes. and they also look like a team going somewhere. Inter, meanwhile, Gab.
1: Inter have to play on Thursday night. Brozovic might be injured. Miranda, I think, is injured. But then who cares? Because they're almost better off without him. And then you've got the sicardi nonsense going yeah. on, and <laughs> you're just kind of left in this, and you're kind of like, all right, so you hope. But Handanovich can make some saves and
0: Keita Balde, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's the answer, isn't really it? Just coming back, Mr. Injury. Reliability. You of know? course, in
0: Spalletti's <laughs> kind of uh, way
2: of seeing things, there's no difference between the balde Diao thing and the Akadi thing. They've no. just both been injured, right? Yeah. So
0: let me ask you a question: Is Mauro Akadi fit? I think
1: there's no question that he's fit. So, or um, well, even he- in
2: even in the Instagram post that he put out, you know, his side of the story, right. he said he'd played through pain. Uh-huh. Uh, before, which is kind of like he's had this sort of inflammation of the knee, <laughs> which only all, he sees, all,
1: all season. Um, the doctor says he's fit, so you know, so I, he
0: he's missed the first leg against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, he's missed a run in which they, I think, they only got one win in four, five games. They started
2: maybe? really well without him. Mm. They responded pretty well. I think they were galvanized by the fact that okay, a lot of us expecting the wheels to come off now. Yeah, but then, they had five
0: wins in a row. I think.
2: Yeah. And then it's started to obviously ease up um, because other things have been catching up with Inter, um, injury, suspensions.
0: The word last week after the first leg against Eintracht Frankfurt with Lautaro Martinez picking up a suspension uh, was that oh definitely Icardi will be back for this then because we've got nobody left. He has to come back. But apparently no, he's not going to be there for that. He wasn't there at San Siro for the game last weekend. The word is that he's unlikely to be featuring in the derby against their their rivals in this top four battle. I mean, they're absolute rivals. Well, and he
2: has been, in this fixture of the last couple of years, he has made it awful watch for for Milan fans because he's scored hat-tricks, he's scored yeah. stoppage time winners. You know, he's point. often been the difference in it.
0: So we talked about edgemundo before, but I'm struggling to think of an example, however upset he was about losing the captain's armband, which happened for a reason, of an example of a player just basically sitting out the most crucial games of a team's season... Because he loves Inter. Because he loves Inter. (laughs) Just saying, nope. So if he's fit, I I just don't understand how the the club can allow this to happen. They have to.
1: But but, by the same look, I think the guy's deranged and so is Wanda and they deserve each other. But before we go and absolutely crucify him, we should point out that this is a guy who's scored a ton of goals and was a hugely reliable goal scorer, not for one season, but for four seasons. right, In the history of Serie A, there's only one among those who've scored hundred goals. There's only one player in the entire history of Serie A who has a better strike rate than he does. So he performs when he's there, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, so he's weird and he's got his issues. But you know what? At the weekend, he lives literally next door to San Siro, right? So last time he goes to the game. And then Spalletti was like, but he doesn't go into the dressing room. Spalletti was like, well, well we should have come down to the dressing room. You know, when clearly the police and authority says, you know what? Probably best that you don't start wandering around the stadium. This time he stays home and he gets criticized for that. I, I mean, I know this is not it, but is it necessary to go and create this drama to go and just crap all over? I mean, if I were Marotta, what I would first do to, to, to Spalletti is say like, you know what? Here's a piece of duct tape. Put it over your mouth and do not ever speak about Icardi ever again. But and it if you
2: don't like it, answers. he's like, I, I don't want to talk about this. I don't
1: want to talk about this. Okay, okay, I'm going to talk. So
0: to you me. feel yeah, is the problem
1: here? Spalletti is one of many, many problems.
0: So am I wrong in thinking that Icardi is in the wrong here? A player he's
1: definitely in the wrong. I mean, I, 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 I think that much is pretty much. He's, he's in the wrong. He's oversensitive. There's obviously things that... But, this is, this is a difference but between despite being... all this, yeah. he has been productive for four years. Until he decided not to show up for work. Because his wife goes on television, yeah. right? And she is a paid pundit on television. Mm-hmm. She gives her opinions on football. And you can argue she shouldn't do that. That's fine. I agree with you. She shouldn't do that. But to have a team of what should be professionals... And who, in reality, are a bunch of spoiled... Not everybody, but many of them are a bunch of spoiled brats who are like, oh, no, we can't have the captain's wife go on television criticizing us.
0: Because that was seen as the reason why he lost the captain's armband. Is of course, that right? that's why. Of
1: course, yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: yeah. He completely lost credibility in, in, in the dressing room because he wasn't prepared to basically defend the team. Um, he wasn't yeah.
1: prepared what they wanted him to do because some of these people are, are a bunch of chauvinists who live in the 1930s. You know, it's the old thing about, oh, you know get your wife in order, you know.
0: But if you're the captain and a component of your family, be it male or female, earns their living by criticizing your teammates. It's
1: not. It's, it's, even the thing she said, she said. She said stuff like, I think Lautaro should play more. Because no, She also talked about I the way he that he's, he's not getting get enough more, service. He should be getting more service. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Is there, I'm sorry. Is there a wise pundit who says like, no, you know what? I think Icardi should be getting less service.
0: Having the captain's wife criticise the performances of him and his Inter teammates is always going to work out badly for somebody. I don't
1: dispute that. Okay,
0: so the question is here, is is what should be done about it. Now, what Inter have decided to do is say, Okay, we'll not make you captain anymore, and then at least we don't have the captain of our club, Mm. a a component of his family, criticising the way the team is run. His reaction, I understand that he was disappointed, given the contributions that he's made to... Uh, Inter in the past, but I just don't see how there's a way of defending him sitting out these games and saying, "Yeah, I'm not sure when I'll be back." I'm going to
1: make an analogy. Okay, James, imagine you and I Uh are are flatmates, right? Right. Yeah. And I don't like your taste in television, right? Right. Because and so the 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 way I deal with it is, you know what? This television it just really annoys me and stuff like that. I know what I'll do. I'll take the remote control away from you, and then what happens as a result? You set the house on fire. Because you're deranged. That's what's happened here. you take taking Captain's armband away and he reacts in this demented way. But you have to, I have to know you. I have to know, am I cutting off my nose to spite my face But hang on, isn't... by taking away the captain's armband? OK,
0: I hear what you're saying, and that analogy has brought it home to me in a very real sense. But um, isn't that exactly the attitude that you've always criticised in DeFore for indulging people's foibles, for being weak Ooh. towards people when they needed to be strong? Isn't this a case when they have to go, look, Mauro, thanks for all the goals, but if you're really that unhappy and you can't be bothered to turn up when we absolutely need you, we've only got, what, 11 players available for the second leg against Eintracht Frankfurt, and we've got the Milan derby, and you're not sure if you can be there, we need somebody who will turn up, whether they're wearing a captain's armband or not. I
2: think they are saying that to him through a lawyer, by the way, because that's what these negotiate... They've had two meetings and it's Beppe mm. Marotta who goes there and it's a lawyer speaking on behalf of Wanda Nara and Mario Cardi. that I'm sure that's been a, a discussion point for them. And as as both Marotta and Ausilio have kind of not really come out and denied, Juventus's interest or... I mean, even Paratogi came out and said, yeah, well, we did give Wanda a call to see what Mario Cardi's status was in the summer. Mm. Someone that Juventus wanted. Which, you know, for a club that is so kind of... Yeah, you know, has been so protective of this. Our success is the culture that we've managed to right. create. That they were prepared to, you know, to bring in.
0: That'd be an interesting yeah. clash, wouldn't it, between the old lady and the old. Well, lady. also,
2: yeah, but, <laughs> but also, I think the thing is, Juventus's dressing room has big personalities, veterans who are strong enough to, I'd say, you know, keep Picardi in check. That's not the case at Inter. They gave him the armband. Essentially, it's like, well, we can't pay you probably as much as the market would. Mm we've got all these ffp sweatshirts so here's the captain. Here's the remote Here control go. to our television you know and yeah. and there's no one in that dressing room because even handanovic uh, he's like a uh, I mean personality well this thing katuza calls piontek robocop i mean you know what is what is
1: handanovic i mean he's mm. robocop in. in charging mode he's plugged <laughs> in
0: Ro- robocop is his battery is why yeah right yeah the milan derby is going to give us plenty to, to talk about and next week's Golazzo... So do join us then. Gabriele, many thanks for today. It's been a pleasure, James. Excellent news. If and good, men- I'll let you keep the remote control. All right, well, let's see, eh? James Horncastle, mind that burning furniture. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Listen, I hope you will too for now from all of us here. It's Arrivederci.
1: It's Italiano.
0: You've
2: been listening to Galazzo, the totally Italian football show. It's a Muddy Knees Media production, and for sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand.